Thank you for taking time to listen to our service. We're happy you've joined us today. Visit NBCOcala.com to find out more about who we are as a ministry or get information about upcoming events. There you can also discover all the convenient ways to partner with us financially. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the service. Hey, can you help me welcome our internet audience tonight? So good to see you guys as well. Well, give somebody a high five and then you can uh, be seated. Well, it is good to be here tonight, and uh, they save the best for last, the last Wednesday night of the year. So uh, it is just such an honor. I was thinking about that today. I was like, man, this is the last one, and uh, what an honor uh, it is to get to share with you guys tonight. And, and uh, Pastor Tim and Alicia send their greetings, and uh, we were with them last night. We went to Tampa uh, to see a Christmas show a concert and and um, I don't know I don't know if you you know been around someone who's so positive and so uplifting and encouraging but Pastor Tim like I try sometimes to get him to to say something mean or do something and and uh, he just can't do it he just can't do it he is the most amazing godly man that I've ever hung out with and uh, but he was just yeah you can and uh, we had such a blessed time and. And I just want you to know, your pastor, uh, he brags about you guys so much. And we just had an hour and a half back and forth from Tampa, and and we were just talking about just how good God has been this year. And um, just the incredible things that's happened, the stories that that have taken place, and almost 900 people coming to Christ this year. And um, it's just just fun. And... um, Man, I know you got, look at this. We're getting ready for NBC Live, and uh, we're going to see God do just incredible things over the next couple weekends. So would you do this? Would you, uh, over the next couple weeks, be praying? Be praying for everyone that's going to come. Be praying for uh, everybody that's a part of the production, all the teams and all the setup and uh, all the things that have to take place. Uh, Would you commit to praying that God would just be in the midst of all that? That we would see, I think last Christmas there was over 12,000 people that came. Would, would we just pray and believe that God would do something supernatural this year all over Marion County and Central Florida? Would you do that? Would you pray? Good. All right, good. Thank you, guys. Well, tonight, uh, I, the title of my message is uh, Let It Be Known. Let It Be Known. And uh, I kind of stole it from one of our songs that we sang tonight. So it's not like original or anything, but uh, let it be known. And I love this time of year because uh, we really do. This is kind of like an encouraging time of year where everyone is kind of letting it be known, like who they love and what they want for Christmas. And like there just seems to be so much energy and so much positivity in the air. And uh, if you're watching TV, then you should shut that off and try to look for some positivity somewhere else, right? But there is, there's a lot of encouraging things that are, that are being, and this is the time of year people are just letting it be known that they're just, they're excited and Christmas is coming. And I loved last week and just seeing all the, the tweets and the posts and just how people were just celebrating and saying, man, I'm thankful. I'm just, God, thank you for just an incredible week. Thank you for family. Thank you for all those things. So how many of you guys had a great Thanksgiving? Anybody? Yeah. I mean, you guys are looking skinny tonight, so I, God must have removed all the calories uh, last week, and I know you guys had a blast, and uh, it looks like you guys survived Black Friday and Cyber Monday 
and all that kind of good stuff. And I had a goal this year that I am buying everything online. Like everything. If I can get everything online and never have to go to a shopping place, then God is going to be so near me uh, uh, this, this, this Christmas year. So, but uh, so, so glad you guys are here. So I also know uh, this is kind of one, the time of year that I love, but I also hate because we're nearing the end of football season. And um, my wife is super happy about that because uh, she can start watching HGTV again. And um, because for like the last four months, that's football is on like every night of the week. And even if it's not on, I turn on classic games and watch those. That's how hardcore it is. But uh, this last weekend, of course, you know, there were people letting it be known uh, who their favorite teams were, right? You guys were cheering, posting things. Some of you weren't being very nice. And um, my team suffered uh, a horrendous defeat. And, um, and it's amazing how many people uh, that you haven't heard from in a whole year uh, will text you and comment on your things and do all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, wow, um, it's not good, not good. Pastor Musselman, could you hand me my water, please? Give Pastor Musselman a big round of applause. What's that? The water boy. boy. That's good. (laughs) Well, tonight I thought what we would do just because it's kind of Christmas and uh, it's the end of football season, kind of getting near it. I thought we would uh, kind of just reminisce about some famous speeches from from award, like just crazy, amazing football teams. And so uh, any Packer fans in the house? Any Packer fans in the house? Okay, like two. So... I thought there would be more people from up north here tonight, but you guys can probably remember this speech. It was, uh, winning is not a sometime thing, it's an all-time thing. You don't win once in a while, you don't do things right once in a while, you do them right all the time. Winning is a habit. The famous Vince Lombardi of the, before the Packers won their first two Super Bowls, he had that speech. And then uh, we'll see if you guys remember this one. And the last thing he said to me, Rock... He said, sometime when the team is up against it and the brakes are beating the boys, tell them to go out there with all they've got and win one for the Gipper. Do you guys remember that one? Newt Rockney, Notre Dame. Any Notre Dame fans? Two more. Awesome. Uh, all right, any Florida Gator fans? You guys will probably remember this one. I promise you one thing. A lot of good will come out of this. You will never see any player in the entire country play as hard as I will play the rest of the season. You'll never see someone push the rest of the team as hard as I will push everybody the rest of the season. You will never see a team play harder than we will the rest of the season. You guys remember that was Tim Tebow after the Ole Miss loss and the Gators won their third national championship. So come on, Gator fans. It's good. Now, I tried to find a speech from Florida State in Miami, but after I took all the cuss words out, there were no words left. So, so go Gators, go Gators. But uh, there's so many amazing speeches all throughout Scripture, of course, and 
Tonight I want to look at one particular speech, and I, I just believe that there's something we're going to see in this that's going to kind of help us approach uh, this season and the end of this year uh, in a new way. And the setting for this speech is at the tail end of Paul's third missionary journey. And uh, he's at this point, he has sailed uh, from Philippi, and he's on his way back to Jerusalem with a gift uh, for the church. And, um, and so he spends a week at the, at the tail end of this in Troas, and that's where we pick up uh, in this story tonight. Acts chapter 20, uh, verse, verse 7, if you have your, your Bibles, and of course it will be on the screen. But it says, on the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. You guys ever had a friend like that? Uh, the upstairs room where we met was lighted <clears throat> with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, a young man named Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Now, before I go on, uh, I did warn all the ushers tonight that if they see anyone getting drowsy during my message, we've prepared uh, them with Nerf guns. And um, they're going to be looking for you guys, so don't, don't get drowsy tonight. But, uh, but finally, it says, Eutychus, he fell sound asleep, and he dropped three stories to his death below. Verse uh, 10, Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms, and he said, don't worry, he's alive. Then they all went back upstairs, shared in the Lord's Supper, and ate together. Paul continued talking to them. Until dawn. And then he left. Verse 12. Meanwhile, the young man was taken home alive and well, and everyone was greatly relieved. Well, this, this speech is so amazing that someone actually dies. Uh, you guys are like, that's not a good speech. But, but Paul had been talking on and on, and this poor guy, Eutychus, fell asleep in the windowsill and fell to his death. And and Luke, who was a medical doctor and an eyewitness to this incident, he plainly states that Yudi was dead. Like he was dead. And the fall from the third story window had been fatal for this, for this young man. And so I, I want you to kind of get this picture because Eutychus was sitting by himself in this windowsill. And like no one saw him drift off. Can you imagine being the guy there, like his buddy? And like you're sitting there with your friend Yudi, and you're listening to Paul go on and on and on. And, and then all of a sudden, I mean, you're kind of probably drowsy and kind of drop, you know, getting ready to kind of nose off, doze off. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you kind of look over and you're like, Where's Yudi? You know, he's like, he starts talking to his friend next to him. He's like, You seen Yudi? Did he go to the bathroom or, you know, what's going on? And, and then he looks out the windowsill and, you know, and then can you imagine being the guy, like, in the room? Uh, Paul? Uh, excuse me. Uh, he's gone. He's dead. He's, he's, he fell out the windowsill. But what I love about this is, you know, th this rea reality is everyone needs a team. Everyone needs a team. And there's something powerful that I love about this story is because they, they came together to share in the Lord's Supper. And there's something powerful that takes place when we 
come together, isn't there? Something powerful takes place when we take the, the time out of our, our busy schedules, our lives, to come together and to corporately lift up, to worship, but then also to engage God's word. But then if we take the step further and we get connected into a small group or we attend growth track and we get on a serving team, there's something amazing that takes place when we do that. When we take that step, when we uh, inv- get together with other people, there's something magical that takes place. And here, here's what I would want to say to you is when we do that, it helps us lean in instead of away. And I don't know about you, but there's, there's been some, some huge pivotal things that's taken place in my life. And I can really kind of narrow them down to three, three things. One, when I gave my life to Christ. When I gave my life to Christ, everything changed. And I can remember, I think I've shared this with you guys. I can remember that night when the pastor was preaching. I thought he was preaching to me. And then all of a sudden when he gave that altar call, I mean, I, there was something that just launched me out of my seat. I ran down and I literally dove into the altar to give my life to Christ. Like I knew something had changed in that moment and I've never been the same. And you probably could be like, man, I, I know that feeling. I know when I gave my life to Christ, everything was different. And then the second, the biggest thing that, that I did was to get married. Like I have been blessed. I have an amazing wife. 25 years we've been married and have some amazing kids. And like second to coming to Christ, like that's been the best decision that I've made. And then the third best thing that I've done and the best decision that I made was to get involved in the local church. Like, I know I'm talking to the choir tonight because you're here. But being involved in the local church has changed everything for me. Like, I can't imagine doing life without God, without my family, and without you. I just can't imagine. And I always tell somebody, was, uh, I was talking to somebody on the phone today, and they're just, we were talking about this, just, uh, this year and uh, we've had some difficult things take place in our life, and um, my father-in-law passed away, and then my mother-in-law got breast cancer, and there's just, it's just been a kind of a crazy year. And I told him, I said, you know what? I was like, God has been so faithful. And I said, and the people of God have been so faithful. And I was like, I really don't know how people survive life without God and without the church. And so I just want to encourage you that, that man, if I just believe that if Eutychus would have been somehow more involved, if he would have been maybe an usher or a greeter or a parker, or he would have been like one of the guys on the stage, or if he would have been like somehow involved in what was happening that night, maybe he wouldn't have been on the windowsill and dropped out and, and, and died. I don't know. But the second thing that we see in this text, and that I love about this, is that Paul went down to Eutychus. He went down to Eutychus. And bending over him, he took him in his arms. I love what the message version says. It says, Paul went down, stretched himself on him, and hugged him hard. And then he said, no more crying. There's life in him yet. He stopped what he was doing. And he went down and he threw himself onto Eutychus. And in the Greek there, the word that, uh, that represents throwing himself on him is a word called epipison, epipito. Everybody say epipito. 
epipito. Come on, say it one more time. Epipito. It's such a kind of fun word to say, you know, like you could just be like, just like see somebody down, you know, hey, epipito, you know. It's kind of like this cool, cool kind of word. Um, but, it, but it literally meant he threw himself on him. He, he epipetoed him. Uh, it, you know, he pancaked him, I guess. He threw himself on him. He hugged him hard. And, um, and, I, and I just love that picture. And this word epipesin is a rare word in the New Testament. And it's only used a few places of the New Testament. And the only place, in fact, that the exact grammatical form and of meaning is in the parable of the prodigal son. At the moment, at the reunion between the father and the son. Luke 15, 20 says, So he, the younger son, set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him. He epipetoed him and kissed him. And you know, like from this story so well, right, that when the son begins to apologize to his father, his father completely interrupts him, doesn't he? And the scripture says, quick, bring out the robe, the best one, and put it on him, and a ring on his finger, and sandals on his feet, and get the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. He said, the son of mine was dead, but he's alive again. And he was lost and he's found. And what's so cool about this is Luke evokes the memory in Acts chapter 20 of Luke 15. And so when we see this story that Paul threw himself onto Eutychus, just as the father threw himself onto the son. And in neither passage, in neither of these instances in the, in the New Testament, is there any lingering or trying to figure out who is at fault? Never is there a moment where it's like, i got to try to figure this out. But it's in that moment that the father throws himself and Paul throws himself. And Luke gives us those details. And I, I love that detail. I love that he uses that word in that way, because we all know the stories, right? I mean, we all know from our lives that there's times when, you know, fathers give and sons squander. And they leave and they do dumb things, right? Does anybody have a son like that? Like, they, you go through those, those moments in life. And, and uh, we also know that there are long-winded preachers, right? Not here at Meadowbrook, but you've been at places, right? Where the services go on and on and on. Hopefully uh, you've been set free from that. But, uh, but you, and, and, you know, he goes on past midnight, Eutychus falls asleep, he falls off. And I mean, there, there could have been blame uh, put around in, all, in both of these instances, but, it, but it's not about blame. Both of these stories have nothing to do with that. They have everything to do with God's grace and God's radical, crazy, passionate love that he has for you and I. That God would throw himself, right, into our circumstances, into our situation, 
on us and in us. And, and just as God does that, then we have a responsibility to throw ourselves into the lives of others. And so how do we do that? How does this passage kind of give us, a, a, it gives us a roadmap. It gives us something to help us understand how we throw ourselves into it. And it's the word celebration. It's the word celebration. And it's, that's what this story, it all kind of culminates to, the, to this cause, that it's a cause for celebration. My son was dead, he is alive. My son was lost, he is found. Yudi was dead, now he's alive. Like there is now time for celebration. And what happened in both instances? They celebrated and they ate. Right? So I would just encourage you that as you lean in and as you start looking for a small group in this new year, you should have an interview question. Your interview question is simple. What do you eat? Because what people eat will determine the amount of celebration that you're going to experience. That's true. If they say, oh, we're just going to have some finger foods, you'd be like, nope. I ain't about that, you know, like they must not know how to celebrate, you know. You call Louie, he's like, I'm bringing out, I'm bringing out all the pasta. I'm bringing out chicken. I'm bringing out chicken wings. I'm bringing out pizza. I'm bringing out the best china. Like it's going to be a party. And you're like, that's the group I want to go to. And so I would just encourage you that when there is cause for celebration, there's always going to be food. Can I get an Amen. But to let it be known, to let it be known. So how do we do that? And I want to give you kind of three quick ways that we can celebrate a little bit better. That this year, the end of this year, as we head into Christmas, as we learn how to throw ourselves, as we learn how to epipito ourselves into the lives of others and into everything that we're a part of, I believe we can raise our celebration to a whole new level. Number one is this. Everyone needs enthusiasm. Everyone needs enthusiasm. I mean, enthusiasm is contagious, right? 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong. He's talking to you. You are brothers and sisters, right? He says, be strong and immovable. Always work what? Enthusiastically for the Lord. For you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Thank God, Paul was enthusiastic. Because imagine if Yudi would have fell out the window and Paul would have been like, oh man, that stinks. I guess there's nothing we can do. Meeting adjourned, right? Like how, how fun would that have been, right? But Paul was like, he was so enthusiastic, he ran down, threw himself onto Eutychus. And not only did he come back alive, but he, Paul, Paul's like, the party, let's get it started. Like somebody just came back to life. So let's continue to celebrate. Let's eat. Let's, and he went on until dawn. Like that's, that's a party right there. But I love that. I love that enthusiasm really does change the atmosphere. Second Corinthians 8, 7 says, since you excel in so many ways, that's you, you guys excel in so many ways in your faith, and your gifted speakers, your knowledge, and what? Your enthusiasm 
and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Enthusiasm is a gift. It's the greatest gift that you can give. It's, it's a gift that, that just, it can change everything. Enthusiasm. Uh, this last year, we've, uh, we've been kind of, it's been, it, we've been blessed. We've had some crazy bad things happen, but we've had some crazy good things happen. And uh, this year, my son uh, brought home a beautiful young lady who has three kids. And um, four, six, and eight. And you're probably thinking, that's not good. And, uh, but, man, God is just doing some incredible things in their life. And, and so we've just kind of gotten three grandkids, like, boom. And, um, and so we're, we're just, we're falling in love with them. And the little four-year-old, his name's Kobe. And uh, Sunday, uh, we were having a birthday party. And I just decided this year, we're going to, everything we do, but if it's Thanksgiving or birthday parties, we're going we're gonna to throw the biggest, most awesome party ever. And so Lexi, who was turning six, she wanted a Nerf gun. And so I was like, done deal. <laughs> and so I bought five Nerf guns. <laughs> and then a couple other people bought a couple more. And so we had eight total Nerf guns. And I bought 300 bullets. <laughs> like, it's so cool. You can go on Amazon and you can buy like hundreds of bullets. It's awesome. And so we had the biggest Nerf gun battle ever out in the front yard, 300 bullets flying all over the place. My son had welts all over him. Um, and so it was just a blast. And um, Kobe, who is the four-year-old, and he's just one of those kind of little boys, four years old, full of life. He loves everybody. Uh, we took him to the zoo Friday, and he was like hugging like people that work there. Like he just... <laughs> He, he hugged Santa, he hugged the elves, he hugged everybody that he could uh, get his hands on. And he's just that kind of kid. And we're sitting kind of at the end. We were all kind of tuckered out. And, and, um, and uh, Nerf gun is intense, y'all. I don't know if you guys know that, but it's intense. But So we were kind of tired. We're sitting there, and he's sitting across the, the living room. And um, he's just kind of sitting there. He's tired. He's, like, sweating, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and um, I'm sitting across the living room, and he's like, Hey! Hey! I'm like, who's he talking to? And he's like, Grandpa! Hey! And I was like, yeah, buddy, what's up? Like, we're like this far from each other. He's like, I love you! And I was like, I love you too! Like, that enthusiasm. Like, if we could just be like kids sometimes and get past ourselves to realize that our enthusiasm, it could change the room. It could change the atmosphere. It could change our situation. And so I want to encourage you, everyone needs enthusiasm. And then number two, everyone needs encouragement. We all need encouragement. Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but what? Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day Approaching. Acts chapter 2. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread. They ate in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Ephesians 4.29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, And we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, and do what? 
encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. And so we're going to practice this tonight. We're going to encourage one another. Okay? So I'm going to count to three, and I want you to think of some encouraging things. I want you to think about what you're going to say. And you can say anything like, man, you are handsome, you're beautiful, you're awesome, you're, you're amazing, you're very smart, you're uh, incredible. Um, I didn't even know that you could do that. Like, you can do whatever it takes. Like, you have what it takes. Like, you are just so amazing. So on a count of three, I want you to find five people, five people, five, five, five. And I want you to say something encouraging on the count of three. One, two, three, go. Five people, five people. awesome. It's an encouragement party. All right, all right, that's enough. Wasn't that fun? Everyone needs encouragement. And I just want to encourage you tonight that you would do that with, with great enthusiasm, that you would find people and look for people to be an encouragement to, to say something nice to. If you see someone having a bad day, you have a horrible waitress. You have someone spill something or break something or have someone do something that look for a way to encourage them. And I promise you that your encouragement could change their life. And I guarantee you that for some of you guys tonight, you may have not had anyone in your life this week said anything encouraging to you. And if we would be spreaders of encouragement, we could literally change everybody that we come in contact with. And we're commanded to. We're, we're encouraged to be an encouragement. And so let's be encouragement. And then the third thing is this. Everyone needs an awe. Everyone needs an awe. And I'm not talking about the like, oh, you're so cute. Like, I'm not talking about that kind of awe. I'm talking about an awe regarding what God is doing. An awe, a wonder, uh, and to be inspired, to, to just be kind of like your breath taken away or, or a situation completely get turned around, that that kind of awe that would catch us off guard because of what God is doing. And we simply do that by talking about what God is doing. What I love about this story tonight is after Eutychus was alive, what did they do? They went back up and he kept sharing stories for the rest of the night. And I love that because something took place when Eutychus came back to life. And I'm sure the same thing took place when the father embraced that son and they went to the party. That there were all of a sudden in that moment, there was a retelling of all the amazing stories. Of all the incredible things. 
I met a, a young lady tonight who said she was reunited with her father. For 20 years, she hasn't seen her father. Came back into her life, and she said, I said, well, Thanksgiving was awesome, right? She said, yeah, we've just been catching up on all the what? The stories of what God is doing and what God wants to do. And we have so much to share and so much to be thankful for. Matthew chapter 10 says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. I love Psalm 71. It says, my mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Though I know not how to relate them all, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. And then Revelations 12, 11, it says, they triumphed over him by what? The blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And then 1 Peter three fifteen. I love this scripture. It says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. We have to be prepared and be full of God, be full of enthusiasm, be full of encouragement, and be full of awe. And so as we approach Christmas, as we approach these next few weeks, let's make a commitment to maintain an awe in all of what God is doing. Let's look for opportunities to share a story, to share what God has done, what he is doing, and what he's going to do. And then, of course, let's share the greatest story that's ever been told. Jesus. He came. The king has come. I love that song we sang tonight. I was listening to it earlier this week. Let it be known. Let it be known. I love that song. It says, come, let's turn it up. Let's celebrate. Let's party. Let's, let's be enthusiastic. We're going to sing it out for all the world to hear. Why? Because there's love for everyone. There's love for everyone. A new day has begun. Something to shout about. And then it says, let it be known that what? Our God saves. And not only does he save, but our God reigns. Let it be known that love has come and that love has won. And what I love about this is what it, the next little part. It says, nothing can stop us now. No one can keep us down. We've found our voice again. When we are full of God, we are full of enthusiasm. We're full of encouragement. And we're full of awe. Because our Savior has come. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Meadowbrook Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at NBC Ocala.